Psalm 33 makes a couple of references to the fear of the Lord and makes some of the descriptions of the character of a man that does fear the Lord and the Lord's deliverance of such men. Psalm 33, let's stand together and read the Word of God in unison. At verse 1, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with heart, saying unto Him with the psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto Him a new song, play skillfully with a loud noise. For the word of the Lord is right, and all His works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of His mouth. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as in heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of His heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom He hath chosen for His own inheritance. The Lord looketh from heaven. He beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation, he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike. He considereth all their works. There is no king saved by the multitude of an host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. And horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in Him, because we have trusted in His holy name. Let Thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us, according as we hope in Thee. Amen Amen and amen. You may be seated. Very quickly, verse 1. Rejoice! Rejoice! There is cause and reason for us to be Happy, excited, and thankful to know the God of the Bible. He saved us to know Him. He gave us existence to know Him. And He is a knowable God, and He has revealed Himself to us. Rejoice in the Lord. And our joy ought not to be in things, even things He gives. But first of all, in Him Himself. 
His, and praise is comely. That's why we want to rejoice. Because praise is a beautiful thing. It is a becoming thing for God's people to love to praise Him and bless Him and say great things about our God. That's verse 1. In verse 3, we're told that our worship ought to be done well. It should be creative. That's a new song. It should be skillful in, uh, in this particular case in playing, and it should be done loudly. So you, all three of those are in one verse. Creativity in newness, so we don't want to be doing thing, the same old, same old out of routine, and we want to do it skillfully, and we want to do it loudly. Whatever skill is involved in singing, and we want to sing loudly because a great God deserves great praise. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. Verse 4, why? Why should we rejoice, and why should we want to give praise that is comely? Why should we want to do it with creativity, skill, and volume? Why? Because His Word is right. We have a written book of 1,189 chapters and 66 books and 31,101 verses that are right about everything we will ever encounter in life and things that we won't encounter until after this life is over. His Word is right. Everything else we read is wrong. His Word is right. Let God be true, but every man a liar is His assessment. And all His works are done in truth. Everything He has done, He has done with integrity, He has done with righteousness, and it is true, and it is established forever. His creation, His judgments, His church, His sacrifice of His own Son, the eternal day of torment that is coming, the eternal eternity of torment that is coming for the wicked, all of it is done in truth. There is no nothing false in Him at all. That's verse 4. That's why we should want to worship Him. Then in verses 6-9, through nine, He describes creation, and it surrounds the 8th verse, which may be your favorite out of this psalm. The 8th verse says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. And this Lord is the Lord Jehovah, the God of the Bible. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. By this particular verse... What does it mean to fear the Lord? To stand in awe of Him. It doesn't say to run in terror from Him. It says to stand in awe of Him. We look, we're delighted, we're overwhelmed, we're thrilled at the awesomeness of this great being. Stand in awe of Him is compared to fearing Him in this 8th verse. And it's all based on creation. Look at verse 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. And all the host of them, every planet and star and heavenly body that is in the heavens was made with the breath of his mouth. Verse 7, how about the oceans? He gathereth the waters of the sea together as in heap. Now you can't heap up water, but God can. He can heap up water. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. Whether it's the Mariana Trench of the Pacific Ocean that is seven miles deep, it's in his storehouses. And then verse 9, he spake and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. All these things were done just by His word of the, the word of His power. And so that God deserves us to stand in awe of Him and to fear Him because of the creation. But He does a whole lot more than the creation. 
And so we move to the next point I want to show you. Verses 10 and 11 are His total dominion over men. Verse 10, The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. There are people that actually worry, think and read about conspiracies. Political conspiracies. International conspiracies. Look what the Lord says about them. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. They can conspire all they want. They can plan all they want. God, The God of heaven brings it to nothing. Whether it's the Third Reich of Adolf Hitler, how many years do we want to say he had a Reich? He said it would stand for a thousand years. Do we want to give him six? With the last three having his nation pounded into oblivion. He brings the counsel of the heathen to naught. Alexander the Great, it doesn't matter. Greece was, God was through with Greece. Belshazzar, God was through with Babylon. He brings the counsel of the heathen to naught, which means nothing. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. They can legislate, but God operates. He overwhelms them. He overcomes them. He preserves and protects His people. And we should be thankful for that, and we should constantly live in the light of that. But, contrasted to that is verse 11, the counsel of the Lord standeth forever. What God has purposed to do can never be stopped. It can't even be questioned. No man can say, what doest thou? And no man can restrain the right hand of the Most High. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. There is no end to God's plan for this little ball of dirt that is spinning in the universe. You don't have to worry about men. God's in charge. The Lord reigneth. Let all the earth tremble. We don't need to be afraid. Verses 13 through 15 tell us that God sees each one of us and thus we want to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Verse 13, the Lord looketh from heaven. He looks. God does look. The Lord looketh from heaven. He beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation, he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike. Here's what I want you to notice. He considereth all their works. This great God that created everything and that by His government of the universe overrules all their conspiratorial plans, He sees all of our lives. So we've got a third reason for us to stand in awe of Him and to fear Him. Then we have in verses 16-20 through the fact that deliverance and safety is from the Lord. There is no king saved by the multitude of an host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. That sounds contrary and contradicting and wrong to us intuitively, doesn't it? There is no king saved by the multitude of an host. Lord, do you mean that it doesn't matter how many are in the army? It doesn't matter how many are in the army. It doesn't matter what weapons they have. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. And horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Behold, get this point, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Now notice what the fear of the Lord is compared to this time or included with in this 18th verse. 
Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear Him, upon them that hope in His mercy. Part of the fear of the Lord is trusting God that He is a merciful being and submitting ourselves to Him and subjecting ourselves to Him that He will take care of us and He will deliver us. It is a God-based, faith-based, hope-based, mercy-based, awe-based lifestyle. That's what it means to fear the Lord. I want to make it so simple today, and I don't want us to be running and cowering in corners like Adam. That wasn't the fear of the Lord. I can't wait to share with you Exodus 20, 20. Don't look it up yet. I'll be calling for iPads, iPhones, and everything else. Just wait. Um, I want to show you that it's not cowering in a corner. The real fear of the Lord would cause you to run from the trees of the garden and cast yourself at the feet of the Lord Almighty and beg for His mercy because He's merciful. Because it says they hope in His mercy. We want to have a God-based, faith-based, mercy-based, awe-based life. And we want to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit so that we are His worthy children of His protection. Verse 20, our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. We don't need horses. We don't need kings. We don't need the multitude of an host. We don't need mighty strength. We need the Lord. And He will deliver us. And He will deliver us and we'll rejoice in Him. Verse 21, because we have trusted in His holy name. Let Thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in Thee. To the degree you hope and trust in the mercy of God, is the degree increased by His grace of the mercy and deliverance that you'll have. And so we want to just be the best at trusting Him. We don't want to worry about the political affairs of this world. We want to trust Him. He is fully in control of every single thing. It doesn't matter how many of them there are. It doesn't matter how long they've conspired. It doesn't matter how intelligent they are. It doesn't matter what means they have at their disposal. Our God has much more. And He will deliver us. Verse 8, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. The Lord is the most infinitely perfect, overwhelmingly beautiful being, subject, topic that you can ever consider. And that's what the verse... Let's just stand in awe of Him. He loves His children standing in awe of Him. Every father knows what that means about... Their younger sons usually standing in awe of their fathers because their father's the strongest man they've met. But we want to be that to the Lord God, our Father in heaven, the Lord Almighty. May the Lord bless us to stand in awe of Him, to fear Him, trust Him, hope in His mercy, and to know that He sees us, to know that the counsel of the Lord stands sure to a thousand generations. No man can question Him or stay Him in His government of the world. Amen.